In 2002, the Aboriginal Family Violence Prevention and Legal Service in Victoria was established. Over the years, the organisation has grown and evolved and now has the name of JIRA. Antoinette Braybrook is the CEO, a position she's held since the service was established in 2002. Antoinette is also the co-chair of the Change the Record campaign, Australia's only national First Nations-led justice coalition of legal health and family violence prevention experts. Antoinette, welcome back to Speaking Out. Thanks, Larissa. It's um, great to be here. What can you tell us about JIRA? There's so much to tell about JIRA, but let me start with the most obvious thing is that we're an Aboriginal community-controlled organisation. Everything that we do is about Aboriginal self-determination and importantly, we're a specialist organisation and our focus is on Aboriginal women and family violence. And I I guess it's also important to just point out that while our focus is on Aboriginal women, we are not gender exclusive, but 98% of the people reaching out to us are women and children. And we provide legal and non-legal frontline services, including case management and counselling. We've got a Koorie Women's Place, which provides support to women and also delivers activities like earring making and basket weaving. We've got statewide reach. Our main office is in Melbourne and we've got eight regional offices uh, spread across Victoria, which makes us sound massive, but we're not really that big. You know, those eight offices might just be occupied by one or two people. So that then brings me to my next point about juries that our board's just endorsed our strategic plan and we're really going to put a focus on establishing our Aboriginal Women's Centre in Melbourne for reach across Victoria and build bigger regional offices with more expanded services. The service, as I mentioned earlier, has been running since 2012 and you're coming up to your 20-year gala, which is quite a significant milestone. When you look back on that time and the evolution of, of the service, and as you pointed out, it's still evolving, but when you think back on all that's happened over that time, what have been some of the proudest moments for you or the most significant ones? I can't believe that the growth of JIRA. I mean, look, it hasn't come easy. There's been a lot of, you know, funding challenges along the way and, you know, many other things that have kept Aboriginal women's voices out of, you know, important conversations. But we've fought. So that's been a really um, big highlight for me. And, you know, I'm proud to say that JIRA's now got 101 positions funded across the state with 75 of those positions now filled. But that still doesn't mean that we're able to meet uh, the capacity, the demand for our services. I think, you know, we've worked really hard over those 20 years to build trust and confidence in what we do and to bring Aboriginal women along and so that Aboriginal women know that they'll get what they need from JIRA. They won't be turned away. They won't um, receive a racist response. Their identity, their culture will be respected and acknowledged and validated. And I, I think like, to see over that 20 years so many staff that actually return to JIRA, they might do, you know, a couple of years here or five years there with us and then just say, look, you know, I've got, 
I really want to explore this other opportunity for myself, but we've got a revolving door. We have so many people come back. So that's really, you know, saying to me that we're a great place to work and that there are so many people who are committed to what we do. And I remember the day that the Victorian government announced that it would implement all of the recommendations of the Royal Commission. And we celebrated that for once Aboriginal women felt heard and visible in such an important inquiry and, you know, our issues front and centre in that report. And that led to an unprecedented investment into JIRA's work, our frontline work and our early intervention prevention work. There are so many standout moments for me having been... (laughs) Uh, the CEO for 20 years, I could just go on and on and on, Larissa, and I'm not sure if you want me to. (laughs) Well, there's some great highlights. And of course, we'd love to spend the whole show talking about just the highlights because we love the good news. But one thing I just want to pick up on that you said when you were describing JIRA, um, and that is that it's community controlled. And I wonder if you could share with us why that is so important in this space. Community control is that, you know, we've got Aboriginal members from across Victoria. We have an Aboriginal board. My chairperson is a woman, a really strong, proud Aboriginal woman. And we've been saying as Aboriginal people, as Aboriginal organisations, that our community-controlled organisations, our communities have the solutions and they need to be invested in. It's so important that Aboriginal self-determination is invested in because we see so, so much has failed with, you know, imposed government responses and um, investment into mainstream organisations. The federal government has come out with a new new focus on issues around violence against uh, women and children. And I wonder what your thoughts are on uh, whether this is the this policy is going in the right direction now. So, together with many other First Nations women, I've been strongly advocating for the need for a standalone, dedicated national plan to end violence against First Nations women and children. I mean, I've been, as you know, in this role for twenty years, and I've seen twelve years of national plans, mainstream plans that have consistently failed our people and our women especially, and we've become invisible under those mainstream strategies. And so it's, you know, great that uh, the new federal government has committed to develop that plan. It's great that we've got Linda Burney, um, an Aboriginal woman that's appointed as the Minister of Indigenous Australians, You know, still, I guess, we're disappointed that we didn't see such a a commitment into family violence prevention and legal services work by this government through the recent budget announcements. But we, you know, welcome that this government actually made a commitment to our national body and has provided funding to us for $3 million over three years. And that that's come after the previous government defunded our national body in an effort to rip Aboriginal women's voices out of the national agenda. 
Obviously, what happens at the federal level, as you're just describing, is critically important in terms of a national framework and those discussions and funding. But you've also mentioned you've worked with with inquiries with the Victorian government as well. And I was just wondering what your observation is on on what the state and territory responsibilities are in relation to this issue. Of course, there are uh, federal responsibilities and you've uh, been very active at the national sphere um, in terms of making sure First Nations voices are specifically heard. What are the sorts of issues that you have needed to really identify at the state level? Look, many of the issues that we talk about around the... Um, increasing incarceration uh, rates of our people, the high removal rates of Aboriginal children and so forth. Like um, They're all state-based issues, but they're issues that we need national leadership on. And so, like, in order to really get some change in these areas, we need all governments to come together to invest in those things, like in my role as co-chair of Change the Record, you know, we are pushing pretty heavily for the um, ageing the rate, age of criminal responsibility. And so we need, you know, all state and territory governments to come on board with that and we need national leadership on that with the high removal rates of our children, our National Family Violence Prevention and Legal Services uh, forum has been calling for a custody notification referral scheme whereby if police are going to make a notification on Aboriginal children, then mum is referred immediately to a family violence prevention and legal service like JIRA because we know early um, access to legal representation will prevent child removal if mum has an advocate. Um, and that... Look, Child protection is state-based, but we do need national leadership on, you know, that key issue. With respect to the high incarceration rates of our women, and we know that we're the fastest-growing prison population in the country, we we also know that 90% of our women in prison have experienced family violence or sexual violence and 80% are mothers. And we also know that many are sitting on remand and unlikely to... Um, receive a custodial sentence and so like something has to be done more than just with a state or territory response we need national leadership on these things speaking of a national speaking of a national focus what are you hoping the federal inquiry into missing and murdered first nations women will achieve <laughs> i'm hopeful that this inquiry um draws um more attention to what we as First Nation women um, and organisations have been saying for a long time. You know, we've seen the same issues or we've advocated for many, many years around all of the same issues that I'm sure will come out through this inquiry in reports and in other inquiries and they just sit on this shelf gathering dust. I, you know, want to see that, that there is a real focus put on the need for specialist Aboriginal community-controlled organisations like JIRA to ensure women's safety. JIRA is partnering with Change the Record to prepare a submission to this inquiry and we have been gathering some information and one of 
um, the things that we got from the coroner's report, uh, coroner's court in Victoria was that in the last 10 years, there's been one Aboriginal woman that has, they've got this documented, that one Aboriginal woman has been murdered in the last 10 years, but there's been also about 32 Aboriginal women that are documented as committing suicide. And we know that when they dug deep into their cases, family violence was prevalent in those cases. And I guess what I can say anecdotally from Jira's work is, you know, we suspect that some of our clients over the years have not died of a drug overdose, have not just, you know, um, died from a um, fall. We suspect that there's more to those cases. So I'm hoping to be able to bring those issues to the inquiry and hopefully, you know, draw more attention to the need to invest in specialist organisations for Aboriginal women. As we mentioned earlier, Jira coming up to celebrating 20 years with a wonderful gala and so much to celebrate in terms of the advocacy work that's been done and the way in which the service has really uh, worked to improve the lives of First Nations uh, families, not just women and children, but families. But I just wonder, um, it strikes me that that's no small achievement for you to be CEO of such a frontline organisation for such a long period of time. And um, I wonder if you can share with us what it is that's kept you going and kept you strong through all of these battles (laughs) and continuing battles. I just can't believe it's 20 years down the track, but then other times I feel like it is. <laughs> um, but, you know, I over the years, it hasn't been easy for the organisation to get to where we are now. You know, there's been many challenges along the way. And I've just been one of those people that, like, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take on that fight. So it's kind of kept me interested along the way as well. And there's never a dull moment at Jira. (laughs) And also like I draw my strength from the many Aboriginal women who come to Jira and who reach out to us or me, especially through social media or if I'm, you know, visiting communities and just, you know, really grateful for the work that we do. Speaking of our 20-year celebration coming up, we're a sellout now for this event and that's over 500 people attending. We've got Jess Malboy, we've got Barker, and it's just going to be such a wonderful night. And we've been able to secure sponsorship for Aboriginal women from across Victoria to attend, but we are still seeking more sponsorship to support women to get there. And I was in Sydney just last week and I received a FaceTime call from the women, um, our staff back at the office. and. They had me on a, a FaceTime call to one of the women who had come in to choose a an evening dress for the gala. And she was just like, she was saying to me, I just feel like Cinderella. And she just looks so beautiful. So that was made possible because a company donated over 200 evening dresses to Jira. So over the next few weeks leading up to the gala, we're going to have Aboriginal women coming in and choosing their dress and their shoes and their accessories for the gala night. So that's what, you know, that really makes me feel like I am where I belong. Oh, that's so lovely. 
I think these moments of celebration are really important. They're like important ceremonies. So I'm so glad that there's going to be a moment to reflect on all that's been achieved by by you and the staff and and the community with what's um, happened with JIRA. Antoinette, congratulations on that achievement. And thank you so much for taking the time in your busy schedule with all the things you have on your plate to spend some time with us on speaking out, sharing this important work. Thanks so much, Larissa. I appreciate you letting us have a voice. That's CEO of JIRA, Antoinette Braybrook.